This is the Sooner Schooner Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Coming up on this week's episode, we now have four kickoff times set for the upcoming OU football season, so you can plan your travel and tailgating accordingly. Also, Athlon had an unnamed coach from an opposing team say some interesting things about the OU defense. Adam Rittenberg, speaking of the OU defense, has a freshman on his watch list. We'll tell you who it is. I bet you can guess after that tease. And Nick Saban's got some interesting ideas on how to get the NIL under control, and we'll do our best to kind of put a bow on everything going on down at the SEC spring meetings. Before we get right into our content, please do us a favor and rate us five stars. Also, write a review for us. Um, The review, Constructive Criticism, always helps us get better. We definitely welcome that. And the five-star review just helps us push our content out to more people. And if you rate us five stars and take the time to write a review and then screen capture that, you can send it to our good friend Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and he'll give you a Heartland College Sports koozie because summer's here and the time is right for dancing in the street, and you can dance a lot cooler with that Heartland College Sports koozie. And yeah, I'm thinking of a very obscure movie character now that I've said that. Uh, Only if you know about the movie Waiting for Guffman do you know what I might be thinking about. If you don't, it's well worth your time to try and track down and watch here sometime in the next couple of months. Uh, Look, let's face it, it's summer. You've got time because after the OU women win the College World Series and after the OU men make it to the College World Series, you'll have a few weeks before the Oklahoma-Arkansas State game, which kicks off at 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, September 2nd. Yeah, I heard it. It's a huge sigh. Ah, yes, the 11 o'clock rooster kickoffs, which OU has two locked in so far because on Wednesday, the schedule came out, or actually some kickoff times for the upcoming schedule came out. There, that's the much better way to say it. So Arkansas State will kick off at 11 a.m. on ESPN Saturday, September 2nd. So make sure you're up and ready to go for that one. September 9th, you get a little bit of a break with Southern Methodist at 5, and that'll be on ESPN+. Plus. So if you're not going down to the game, make sure that you have subscribed to ESPN+. Plus in order to get that, or make sure you've got a friend that knows how to pirate these kind of things and won't give your computer viruses. Um, September 16th at Tulsa, not a bad start time. That's at 2.30. Not not known right now whether that'll be on ESPN or ESPN2. I get the feeling that'll be on ESPN2. Uh, should be a sellout for Tulsa, one of the few they will have all season long, actually. Maybe the only sellout TU will have all season long. And then... Black Friday, November 24th, TCU kicks off at 11. Now, let's look at the bright side of this, okay? Let's look at the bright side for this 11 o'clock kickoff on Black Friday. One, you now have the excuse not to go shopping, okay? It, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who wants to go shopping in your family, whether it's your wife, whether it's your kids, aunt, uncle, whoever, and yeah, I've got crazy people in my family that would love that love nothing more than going out on Black Friday. And it's and it's not just about getting the deals. It's about getting into a damn near fight with other customers. I mean, they will like not just humble brag, but will flat out brag 
about kicking people's asses so they can get to a particular product or get ahead of them in line. But but that's my family. I don't know about yours. And I don't think they're big enough OU fans to not go through that madness on Black Friday, but you are. So now you've got an excuse not to beat people up and not to go spend money on things that probably aren't that good. Plus, with, with all the stuff you buy online, why would you do that? Anyway, there is your travel time. Okay, there are your kickoff times. Travel, tailgate, according to plan. Yes, we all hate the 11 o'clock kickoff. No, the Texas game does not have a time yet, but if you are a betting man and you're about to pull out the about to pull out your app on your phone or about to pull out your phone and pull up the FanDuel app, yeah, you might as well go ahead and lay as much money as you possibly have on an 11 o'clock start time because the Big 12 is going to drill that. The Big 12 is going to drill OU on the 11 o'clock start, start times on their way out the door because of how much OU has complained over the last few years about the 11 o'clock start time. Um, but ultimately, I, the 2.30 to 5 p.m. I'm good with. Let's face it, nobody's good with starting the year at 11 o'clock on Saturday, September 2nd. But it is against Arkansas State, and it should be a win. And, hey, the sooner it's over, meaning OU has that thing well in hand in the fourth quarter, the sooner you can get to O'Connell's or back home to watch the rest of college football that day. Adam Rittenberg has Peyton Bowen on his players to watch list, thinks very highly of the OU safety coming in. And the reason I bring that up, not to not to break Peyton Bowen down, not to give you the the scoop on him or you know what Adam Rittenberg says, which honestly in his paragraph in ESPN isn't all that much. He's just high on the fact that OU is recruiting better defensive players, which jives a little bit against what an opposing coach had to say in Athlon. Now, Athlon's annual magazine for the upcoming college football season is out. And if you want to go invest in in those magazines, I say go right ahead, but proceed spending your money with caution. And this is not a knock on Athlon or, or anybody that publishes, but with the way college football is, there's a very good chance that those rosters are going to change and the information is going to be outdated by the time the season rolls around. Still, still, it was interesting to read an opposing coach say that he thought OU, and, I, and I'm summarizing here, okay, this is not you know verbatim, that basically OU looked really good when they got off the bus, that, that the OU defense looked, looked like a college defense should look, looked like OU athletes should look. But when you looked at them in the warm-up line and you looked at them going through drills before the game, they didn't seem to be very well coached. They didn't seem to be very well disciplined. And this guy said it came as a shock to his system because that's not a typical Brent Venables defense. And that's the conundrum, the chicken before the egg conundrum that we got into last year. Was it the players? Was it the coaching? And according to this unnamed coach, and take it for what it's worth, it was the coaching. However, when you saw OU play this year in spring, they looked a hell of a lot better. Guys looked like they were wrapping up. You did see people making effort. And I don't think necessarily, I think, I mean, I need to go back and watch some of the games from last year, but it never really felt like OU had lack of effort in any game that they played. Now, lack of tackling, yes. 
And that's not necessarily lack of effort. That's just lack of technique and lack of you wanting to hit. It doesn't mean that you're not trying hard. It just means you don't want to get physical with anyone. And Brent Venables wants to play a much more violent brand of defense than what we saw last year. And heck, what we saw the the eight years before that at OU. But it is not just a matter of coaching. It's a matter of getting the right players in as well. So even if your players look the part, it doesn't necessarily mean they are the part. And I've always felt like in coaching, you can only develop so far. The kid has got to meet you. Coaching does not solve everything. The kid has got to have it in him, whether it's talent-wise, whether it's desire, whatever the situation is. And we've all said this going into this year that the only, so goes so goes OU's defense, so goes the success of this team. Because you get the feeling that Dylan Gabriel is going to be much better with another year under his belt in Jeff Levy's offense. If he's not good, then Jackson Arnold's right there behind him, and so he gets to start a year early. But so many of OU's losses last year, so many of those close ones, come down to guys just not making plays on defense. And if it's the same thing this year, then yeah, we know it's the coaching. And if you've got a 9-3 and three record and you could have won some games on defense or you're winning a lot of high-scoring games, then yeah, I would expect Brent Venables to make a change. I'm also you know, looking at it now with Brent Venables running the, running the defense. I've never thought that was necessarily good for any head coach to run the defense or offense. I always thought that they needed to be more of, of an administrator. And maybe that's the, that's the role that, that Brent Venables needs to take on. But honestly... You've got an assist. You've got an opposing coach saying this. You don't have his name tied to the record, which, I mean, that's how you go out and get the quote. I they don't really have a problem with this, but he's chalking it up to coaching more than he is chalking it up to the players they got. But I don't know. I mean, I look at the players. If Trace Ford can play this year, um, if Bowen can be everything that he's made out to be, Danny Stutzman in his third year is already. You know, an NFL prospect, if, if all these guys can step up and play to just their capability, then OU ought to be pretty darn good. Athlon has, has Oklahoma going 9-3, and three, but they didn't give you the three losses. You know, I looked on the schedule what the three losses could possibly be. Obviously, Texas, the most obvious, because you lost that game 49 to nothing. Uh, maybe they're thinking Oklahoma State is one you could lose because that's on the road to Stillwater. I'm not I'm not necessarily I I think OU's going to win that game but okay I'll give you that I'll give you the 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 Oklahoma State game and maybe they're thinking Brigham Young because OU hasn't beaten Brigham Young or maybe they're thinking Kansas but I don't right now I've got OU going 11 and 1 and I feel like that's nuts because I feel like I'm just going off past glory certainly not looking looking at them as a 6 and 7 football team last year. Oklahoma's trans, uh, transitioned into the SEC. Well, we've got one more year to wait for that. We are not going to know what the schedule formula is after SEC meetings. Sorry, SEC meetings are going on. That's going to be tabled. There is sentiment leaning towards eight games. There's um, you know a lot of people lobbying for nine. Thank you, Brian Kelly, for saying that you wanted Alabama on your schedule every year because that's one more coach lobbying for a nine-game schedule, which it seems like that's what most fans want, is the nine-game schedule. However, 
You as the OU fan, do you really care if OU plays nine or eight SEC games a year as long as one of those games every year is Texas? Yeah, didn't think so. Didn't think you cared one one way or another about eight or nine. I think what's interesting, and, and right now, my this is just my gut, tells me that at least for the first two years OU was in the SEC, that it's going to be an eight-game schedule, and they will play Texas every year, and then you'll rotate, which means you're going to have to have four non-conference games. Next year, OU only has two non-conference games on the schedule. They've got Temple, they've got Tulane. Getting another couple more shouldn't be too tough because you ought to be able to pay enough cupcake. You ought to be able to pay a couple of more cupcakes to come to Norman and get beat. And then obviously you can take advantage of having that late non-con sandwich game, which so many SEC teams have done. In 2025, um, OU's going to play Illinois State. They're going to play Michigan, and they're going to be at Temple. So if you're playing a 12-game schedule, and again, it's an eight-game SEC schedule, you'll need one more non-con. And in 2026, if it's a nine-game schedule, you're all set because you've got UTEP, you're at Michigan, and you host New Mexico. And I don't know, those Michigan games, if Michigan is as good as they've been the last couple of years, yeah, it probably makes you a little nervous because you don't know where OU's going to be. But you have to love the fact that at least for the first year in the Southeastern Conference, if OU has to play 12 games and you're only playing eight conference games, you can load up on cupcakes in the non-con, which should help you, should help you tremendously stay healthy for the SEC season. And the philosophy that just about every coach has in America is schedule Schedule to win your conference, which means don't go don't go overboard in the non-con. As much as we love those games, you only want to be playing the Michigans and Ohio states of the world when you can actually give them some some competition. And even if OU were to play four cupcakes in the 2024 season, which is also the first year of the um, 12-team college football playoff, if you were to win all those games and then when the majority of your SEC games you would think that OU would get in to the would would get into the college football playoff many things being discussed though at, at, at the SEC meetings in Destin Florida uh NIL is you know tops on everyone's mind Nick Saban had some very interesting things to say about that um I really I haven't seen any quotes from any of the dignitaries from OU down there it's been all your pretty typical SEC haven't seen much uh, from Texas down there, but Nick Saban made uh, made the comment that y- you need to standardize NIL. You know, you can go ahead and let the players unionize, and and if you're going to do this, then you need to standardize it and make it more like the National Football League because his point was the National Football League is about parity, not disparity. Parity, not disparity. Because the NFL, what they strive for is everybody to be at the end of the season, 500, and actually you can't be 500 in the NFL anymore because there's an odd, there's an odd number of games at 17, but they want everybody to be about even. And college football would love that as well. And the other thing that you got to give Nick Saban credit for is he called out Texas, A&M, and USC. Okay, and I want to make sure you get that clear. That's UT, A&M, and USC 
for basically spending more money than everybody has. And right now you're thinking, well, it may not make that big of a difference. USC didn't make the college football playoffs last year. They didn't even win their own conference. A&M in Texas had major issues, especially A&M. So what does spending all this money on the NIL really do? Are you really buying a championship? And as he pointed out, the more you're able to do that, the better caliber of player you're going to attract because you're just going to have so much money that you can just throw at them at, at any time. And eventually, that's going to start taking a toll. Now, the one thing where it's got to be pointed out, where Nick Saban needs to kind of be called to task on this, is just because A&M or Texas or USC can go by depth, it doesn't mean that depth stays there. Because one thing that's more attractive to kids than, than getting NIL perks is being able to play. And if you go to USC and you're one of 85 kids who got a great NIL deal, and you're on scholarship, but you're not getting to see the field, you're not going to be happy, and eventually you're going to transfer, and you would think other teams would be able to take advantage of that. You know, the kid that goes to A&M, he's like, yeah, you know, I was there for a couple of years, never saw the field, so I'm going to transfer my next two years, go here. Or I was there for a year, and it just became obvious that, you know, they gave everybody the same deal. And it was all about the first 25 that were going to sign, and, you know, 85, they're showing depth. Whatever the situation is, that that alone can give you the, the the transfer portal can create parity because kids have have the right to leave and play immediately, which is something that they've never had in college football up to this point. And Kirby Smart's absolutely right that tampering's been going on way before the transfer portal and way before the NIL. And Billy Napier can complain about it all he wants about how tampering's going on, but I would tell Billy Napier, look at your own house, dude. Look at your collective that promised a kid $13 million and then didn't come up with it. And, and ask yourself, why did that kid end up at Arizona State? You didn't have to work too hard to poach that kid because of a broken promise. And yes, NIL can be used to, used to entice. People are going to do that, all right? But you also have to look at how you're treating the kids. And I'm not saying you got to kiss every one of them's butt, but if promises are made and they're broken, that's on you. That's not on them. So always be careful how you recruit. And, and what I would say about the tampering is until the, the NCAA proves that they're actually going to throw the hammer down on anyone who tampers. Like you go to Nick Saban. And Nick Saban's talking about make it more like the NFL. Well, one thing you can include in that is if you get caught tampering, you lose scholarships. Because in the NFL and the NBA, you lose draft picks, you get fined. There are harsh penalties for, for tampering with players. Well, if there's going to be, if you want to crack down on it, you've got to have harsh penalties for tampering in college football as well. You don't need to take guys off, you need to take teams off television. You don't need to, to, ban them from postseason play, but you start taking away those scholarships, you start hurting depth, then the 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 not being in postseason play thing will take care of itself more more often than not. You know, unless people are just gonna cheat and write checks for kids to go to write write checks for kids to go to school to cover their tuition out out of their own pocket, which has actually actually has happened before. And at this point, what's 
what's really weird about the NIL is that June 6th, when many um, officials from the Southeastern Conference go to Washington to talk with Congress about this, they're hoping that they can convince Congress to pass a law to standardize NIL. Right now in Oklahoma, you can't enforce NCAA or SEC rules on the NIL, which allows OU to actually have NIL and collectives under their own thumb. They don't have to operate separate from the university, which is what the NCAA rule is. Oklahoma state law prevents that, which you would think would give Oklahoma a leg up, but it all depends on how you go about taking advantage of it. And yes, Brent Venables should absolutely tamper right now. Okay. Uh, yes, he should. Yeah. I mean, look, morality's great, but do you want to get beat by Texas 49 to nothing or do you want to win football games and hang on to your job? Then by all means, go out and tamper. I mean, if you see a kid playing in Stillwater that you think can make you better, tamper. If you see a kid in Manhattan, Kansas this year um, that'll make you better, tamper. Oh, he doesn't play Kansas State this year, but I think you catch my drift. You know, same with the SEC. I mean, if you see a kid that's going to make a difference, go out and get him until the NCAA makes you stop because that is your whole job is to win, is to win football games. It's not necessarily the best way to roll, but if you're looking to win, it, it makes a whole lot of sense to go about it that way. That finishes up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we ask you again, please rate us five stars. Also write a review. We'd appreciate that. And, um, we'll be back next week. So until then, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase Don Cornelius, love, peace, and boomer sooner. <laughs>